Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Narrow Gate Podcast. This is part three of a series that I've entitled, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. It is dissecting the the popular worship song that is sung in churches today and why this song is actually detrimental to the edification of the church. Now, in part one, I made mention that it's very detrimental from the standpoint that if people are pleading for the Holy Spirit to come to them during a church service, obviously they're not saved. They're not going to heaven. If you are a true Christian, You've got the Holy Spirit in you already. You don't have to plead with him to come. So if you are, you feel like you have to plead with the Holy Spirit to come to you only on Sundays or any part of any part of the week, if you feel like you're pleading with the Holy Spirit, there is something wrong with your eternal destination, your eternal, uh, uh, yeah, destination. <laughs> you're not going to heaven. In other words, because the Christian is the one that has the Holy Spirit inside them already. You don't have to ask God to come. He's already there. He's in you. He's with you everywhere you go. And if you want the Holy Spirit to come into your church, find a true believer who has the Holy Spirit, such as myself. Invite me to your church. That's, I'm not being egotistical. I'm just saying it's true. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I've been born again in Jesus. And if you, if you think the Holy Spirit's welcome in your church, invite me into your church. Now, in part two, I made mention of maybe the reasons why people want to invite the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's not so much that they, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They're actually true Christians, but maybe they want another experience like Pentecost. And I made a good point that from a shallow perspective, that Pentecost was an event with a spectacular lights display with a lot of positivity, a lot of people involved, and it was a smash success of an event. But really, that's a shallow perspective. In reality, that was God's very special way of kicking off the church and the kingdom of Jesus with the church, especially for the Gentiles, for the, for the, um, for the following 2000 years after that event, it was just the best timing and God used some, some pretty miraculous things involved in the event to get it all kicked off. Otherwise today, when we're looking for that kind of, um, we're looking for that kind of light display, positivity, lots of people and uh, things going well or succeeding. Just go to a rock concert because we haven't seen Pentecost happen, uh, in, in, in history. We haven't seen any great movement that all Christians, really true people who are powerful Christians and people who are true Christians and believers can all agree on that has actually been a biblical event that is, that are, that is biblically sound and we can all agree and say this is of Jesus and this was an amazing movement that helped kicked off some new generation of Christians or new phase of the church there that there hasn't really happened there hasn't been anything that happened like that since Pentecost almost 2000 years ago so now let me tell you something you may think okay you know I really would like the Holy Spirit to show up in my church in some spectacular way some miraculous way. You have to ask yourself why. If it's just so you can just, if church isn't good enough for you, if movies aren't good enough for you, rock concerts or video games aren't good enough for you, then I I feel bad for you, you know, because God doesn't, God's not in the business of entertaining. God wants to transform your life. And God's in the business of making you more like his son, Jesus, and being a person of righteousness. So you have to ask yourself why. And you might be thinking, well, okay, then maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't show up in church anymore in that miraculous way. That is also false. It does happen. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a Bible passage to describe how this is supposed to look. Then I'm actually going to tell you some of my own experiences. Now, just because it relates and it connects and it it actually is founded and grounded in what we see in the Bible. I'll give you 
experiences that are both an actual ex- actual experiences of the Holy Spirit doing something miraculous in a church service and some things that are actually false. They were just kind of pretend and made up to try to evoke a Holy Spirit experience. So first, let's read the passage that I'm going to pick out. It's 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 26. It says, now Paul's talking all about tongues. He's trying to give the, the church of Corinthians, the church of Corinth, instruction about tongues. How should we deal with tongues? He says, uh, in the previous verses, he says, tongues is basically a miraculous way of speaking other languages. Sometimes the speaker doesn't even know what's being talked about, but it's some wonderful connection between him and God. Now, Paul says, it's better to pray prophecy, the word of God, to edify the church, to instruct the church on how to live righteously. Tongues are good. Prophecy is better. Then he says, what is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. So there you go. Someone's, so the last two are someone can speak in a different language uh, that nobody knows, or maybe only some know, and someone else can interpret it. That way it's a miraculous connection uh, of, of community within the assembly. And Paul says, let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at most three and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must be keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and, and, less the other, and let the others pass judgment. So let's just talk about the tongues thing right there. I'm also going to say this um, because this goes into my experiences. So then in verse 22, it's backtracking a little. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. So, from what we gather from Paul's instruction, that tongues are allowed, it shouldn't be just everybody speaking in tongues, it should be at most three, and there should be someone who can interpret what is being said in this miraculous other language for the edification of the church. Does this happen today? Yes, it does. Now, let me tell you, God brought me on a journey personally, I was a make-believer. This is just a quick summary. I was a make-believer. I was not truly saved. I thought I was, but God took me on a journey to show me himself in reality through the miraculous work of tongues in different churches that I would travel to and go to along my life journey. It was very interesting. And just like the verse I just said, the sign of tongues is for the unbeliever. So even though people are like, well, it's, just, it's spectacular to see someone speaking a different language, it's miraculous for the sake of the church. Like, well, God's moving. It's like, well, if you're already saved, you're going to experience miracles in your life. You're going to experience God in your life. But for the unbeliever, they need to see something that proves God's reality through miracles that only God can do. Only God can do. So God showed me as a, a fake believer, an unbeliever, the reality of God through tongues. Let me tell you. So, this is how it would work out. Now, first, let me give you a false example. When I was in college, I had a friend who was from another country. He would say, everybody, let's all pray at the same time. So we had like eight, six or eight people praying at the same time. I couldn't even hear myself pray. It was kind of chaos. It was nuts. It was crazy. And then during that prayer, he would start speaking in another language, but he would claim it'd be tongues. It was, it was chaos. I couldn't even hear myself. And then we all start shouting louder and louder until we all were shouting prayers. Like it was, and it was trying to kind of create an emotion like it was some amazing thing happening when in reality it was just a racket. And there this guy is from another country speaking in quote unquote tongues when in reality he was probably just <laughs> speaking in one of the other two languages he knew. That's a false tongues. It's chaotic. There's no one to interpret and it's, it's out of order and it doesn't edify anyone. It just tries to create emotional experience. That's false. That's a false tongues moment. 
Now, how does it really play out? Okay, let me tell you. So my first, so this is how it goes. Every single time tongues was spoken and used to edify the church in a situation, I've had this like five or six times in my life, and these are all in maybe four or five different churches. This is how it would all play out. So the worship team would be praising God and not with any kind of music that not with a please Holy Spirit come song. It was never with a song. It was just a straight up innocent, not hypnotic, not pulsing, not witchy. I'm just going to say that not witchy type of Holy Spirit song. It was just a praise song that worshiped God genuinely. Then as the worship team's playing, every one of the members of the band would just start to play quietly until they stopped playing. So everyone, the whole church is worshiping, the band's playing. The next thing you know, everybody just feels the sense to just be quiet and stop. And then a couple beats happen of silence in the whole church. And we're talking about every time this has happened, it was always in a church of hundreds or thousands of people. Suddenly it's quiet in the whole big assembly, this big auditorium. This is different churches. It's happened consistently for me for once for about a year of my life or two. Then one random person somewhere else in the whole auditorium would start speaking loudly, not to not shouting, but speaking up so people can hear some kind of third world. It sounds like a third world language or, or international language, not, not the U S mostly middle Eastern sounding. If I was to, if I was to classify it and something that everyone in the room wouldn't know really. And some kind of some, whatever kind of thing, if I could do an impression, he would stop. Then someone else on the other side of the room like really, it was, they were always separated by a certain amount of space that made the thing seem unplanned and uh, unpredictable, would interpret what was said. Normally, what was said was always some kind of Bible verse in a different language, and then after would be some extra interpretive or applicable message that underlines the biblical teaching. Isn't that interesting? So it was never just, God will give you health and wealth in some kind of other language. Oh, God will give you health and wealth. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not at all. It was always like, is my arm not too, is my arm too short to save and to act and to help you? It's like, no, but you must turn to me or something like that. Some Isaiah thing, some uh, Old Testament prophet thing. Uh, In one particular service before uh, my wife and I sat down, we sat down in our, our row and the man in front of me turned around with a kind of a grimacing face. He looked at me and said, well, I hope you're ready uh, for it to get loud in here. He just, and we were just kind of looking at each other like, what is he talking about? Next thing I know, during the service, the whole worship died down to, to a standstill. He got up and spoke in tongues. And then some other person on the other side of the room actually uh, um, just interpreted it. So the guy was basically warning. He probably felt the Holy Spirit about to move him. Pretty cool. Then... In another service, the pastor himself, like he, he paused before he was teaching or giving announcements and someone in the room gave, uh, uh, spoken tongues and he was the interpreter. The pastor said, aha, I know what they said. I, you know, God gives me interpretation. And he said it was a Bible verse and he gave a short message and he said, praise God. So even he, even this pastor was out of control in the moment in terms of the order of events of the service, but he recognized the work of the Holy spirit. It's amazing. Another moment was, and this was in a church of thousands, thousands, uh, there was a, um, a man, uh, oh, sorry, a woman started speaking in tongues. Then a man started speaking just a, a beat or two or a second later, the same exact message, the same exact language. And she was, she fell silent. 
And actually, that goes into this passage, too. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah, but if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent. Um, where is that? Let's see if I can find that. Yeah, it's in this chapter. I'm not, I'm not going to find it right now. So it basically says, if somebody else has a word, let the second person speak and let the first person be silent. And the, the Holy Spirit's worked through these people to actually underline how the church works in that regard. Then another person on the other side of the assembly actually interpreted that. And it, but it was amazing. All these things happened in the same way. It was all orderly. It was all biblical. And it was all edifying to the church and glorifying to God. But why? For a sign for the unbeliever in their midst, that unbeliever being me. I needed to see that God is real. I believed in God, but it almost just like it was almost like a Santa Claus faith. Oh, I believe in God because I believe in God because I'm hopeful and I'm told to. No, I I, I saw God work in reality. I saw him do something real. And and as a result, that was just a step towards me recognizing, oh yeah, okay, God's real. I'm going to take what he says seriously. And what does he say seriously? He says, stop your sinning and believe in Jesus to be the only one that can forgive you of your sins and save you from hell. So eventually I did that. I started repenting of all my sins I could possibly think of because I recognized, okay, God is real. I got to take this serious. And then I said, Jesus, okay, I thought I knew it all, but all I do, all I know is that it's you. I believe in you. Please rescue me from hell and forgive me because I sin and I deserve hell. And so, and then I, and so because of all this process of seeing God for real, taking him seriously, and then repenting and then believing in Jesus for real, I became saved. I, I experienced the rebirth of Jesus, the rebirth through the Holy Spirit. And now I have the Holy Spirit with me everywhere I go. And God even uses me to do miracles. I don't do tongues personally, but it's more like special knowledge, miracles. Actually, sometimes it's even healing in a very small way. Um, that's up to God what he wants to do through me. But anyway, so if you want to know, how does it happen now? It doesn't look like Pentecost anymore, but how does it happen now when God does something miraculous in an assembly in a church? How does it happen now? That's how it happens now. God takes control of a church service for people whose hearts are willing and ready to let that happen. And it happens. Why? To show the unbeliever the reality of God. To show the unbeliever the reality of God, and it happens. It, it happens today. We probably there's probably more of it going on in third world countries where people are are simpler of their mind. They're not as doubtful. They're not as skeptical, and they're more open to the Holy Spirit. And uh, and also, I'm going to say probably where the gospel it's like the frontier of the gospel being reached. God's going to demonstrate Himself with power and authority, just like at Pentecost, but uh, not just like Pentecost, but in similar miraculous form. So that's how it goes. Stay tuned. I'm going to talk more um, when I can, when I can record these. I'm going to talk more about um, this Holy come Holy Spirit, come false teaching, what it really looks like, um, how to expect God in your life, how the Holy Spirit works. And I hope this blessed someone. I hope this was interesting for someone. And I hope this demonstrated to you that God really does work. God's really real. You got to take him seriously and um, and how to expect God the Holy Spirit to show up in your life and how that can happen in church, why it doesn't even happen. Maybe I'll go into that in another uh, podcast, but think about this podcast really critically reflect on it. Maybe even listen to it again to hear the, the, uh, my experiences because they're biblically based. It really happened. And this stuff does happen because God is real and he does do this. Why? He wants to save you and he loves you. 
He wants you to experience his presence and his indwelling Holy Spirit presence in you every day of your life. So you don't have to plead with God, plead with the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You don't have to plead anymore. You can be someone who's real, not a make-believer. Who just wants something spectacular to happen. No, the spectacular thing is you're saved and you're not going to hell when you die. You're going to heaven forever. So anyway, stay tuned to uh, part four of this series from One Narrow Gate podcast called Come Holy Spirit, Come.